Hi friends, Erica here, and I wanted to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by my friends over at YM Dental Lab. They are offering two free zirconia crowns for all new customers. Check them out at ymdentallaboratory.com for more information. Now, on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Dental Billing Podcast. In this week's episode, I want to talk about understanding and how to read an explanation of benefits. The reason I want to dive into this topic is because I've seen a lot of individuals who post payments and truly do not know how to read an explanation of benefits, an ERA. They don't know how to calculate whether or not the insurance paid us correctly. And this is where practices can bleed financially. So my first point that I want to make before we dive deeper into this topic is if you are posting payments and you do not know how to read or calculate a breakdown of benefits, I would suggest that you stop and learn how to calculate whether or not the patient paid the correct copayment. Did the insurance company pay us correctly? There's just a lot that we need to understand before we can efficiently post payments because anybody can post a payment, right? I can post that the insurance company paid $90, no problem. But what if we were supposed to receive $150? There was money left on the table because I didn't know how to interpret the explanation of benefits. I don't understand the concept of patient calculations and calculating insurance payments. So I just mindlessly left that money on the table. I see this all the time in dental practices, and I'm not sure why we think it's okay to allow someone to post payments that does not truly understand how to read an explanation of benefits. So I want to help you guys with that. I want you to understand all of the elements that an explanation of benefits is supposed to serve, right? So let's dive into all of the things that you need to understand when it comes to an explanation of benefits. So the first thing is we want to make sure that we're reading it and properly interpreting the EOB or the ERA. What is the difference between an EOB and an ERA? An explanation of benefits statement is typically going to be given to you on the website, mailed to the office, and an electronic remittance advice is typically going to be something that is sent to you electronically, right? So an ERA and EOB, they serve the same purpose. They are making sure that you understand how the insurance company paid that claim. So it's essentially a breakdown of payment. And you want to make sure that you're receiving the correct payment for the services that were rendered. And the only way that you can do that is if you understand that that service was paid at this percentage and you want to make sure that your breakdown of benefits matches and all that good stuff that we'll get into. Also, the flip side to the EOB is that patients are also receiving accurate communication about their dental payment. So they are going to receive the same EOB that we receive in the office 
so that they understand that their copayment was calculated correctly. And this is where I see a lot of offices get into trouble is not understanding or inaccurately calculating copayments, charging the patient, maybe overcharging, and then the patient receives the EOB. They come into the office, typically with the EOB, and they ask why they paid what they paid. So this is all avoidable if we understand from the beginning of that revenue cycle how to properly charge the patient. So the EOB is going to let you know. All right. So not all EOBs are created equally. All right. And so the language that each insurance company uses is going to vary between insurance company and insurance company. I wish that insurance companies had a universal explanation of benefits, making it easier for us to understand the breakdown of the payment. But unfortunately, most insurance plans have their own language and their own format of an explanation of benefits. Okay, So let's talk about some of the things that you need to understand when you are looking at an explanation of benefits. The first thing is, what is the contracted amount or the plan allowance? This is going to be the reimbursement level determined by that dental insurance plan for a specific procedure. Okay, so essentially, if you did a filling a one surface filling, that plan and you're contracted, that plan is going to say here is the agreed amount, the contracted amount. It's going to be the allowed amount or the plan allowance. Again, I'm saying all of these different terms because every plan refers to it differently, but essentially they're just letting you know this is the allowance for this procedure. It's also going to break down the portion of that fee that the plan is going to pay. So the covered percentage is going to be listed there. And you want to compare the percentage on the EOB with the percentage that we received when we obtained a breakdown of benefits. Now, hopefully you get a breakdown of benefits that is not simply what is listed online because that is such limited information. And you guys know that I'm a huge fan of getting code-specific information from the insurance companies when we are obtaining the breakdown of benefits. And this is why. It serves so many purposes when we obtain that plan-specific, code-specific information because sometimes insurance companies make mistakes and we have to hold them accountable to those mistakes. And one of the ways that we can do that is by getting the most accurate breakdown of benefits that we possibly can. Okay, so we talked about the negotiated or the allowed amount. We also talked about the percentage that is covered for that allowed amount. And the explanation of benefits is also going to let you know how much of the patient's deductible was applied. So the amount that the patient pays before the benefit is applied. Side note, when I teach individuals how to calculate treatment plans, one of the first layers in that training is how to calculate the deductible. And it's really easy. 
It is the amount that the patient will pay before the percentage will apply. So if the fee is $100 and the patient has a $50 deductible, you're going to deduct $50 before you are going to calculate the percentage. So let's just say that the procedure that we are doing is covered at 80%. You would not calculate the percentage. So you wouldn't say it's $100. You would not calculate 100 times 80% and then apply the deductible. You would actually take 100 minus the $50 deductible and the $50 that we have remaining will be paid at 80%. This is an area where I find offices are bleeding financially because we don't have individuals who know how to calculate this stuff. If you follow the EOB, it makes perfect sense. It just shows you the flow and the breakdown of that payment. So again, always apply the deductible before you apply the percentage and you will be golden, my friends. (laughs) All right. How much has the plan paid? So this is going to be the dollar amount of the claim and how much of that was paid, right? So the total amount that was paid. You'll have an itemized procedure breakdown as to if we did three fillings, how each filling was paid, but then you'll also get a total amount that was paid that should match the check amount or the deposit amount. So it's really important that we pay attention to that. And does the patient have any responsibility to co-pays for this claim? And so it will outline and again break down how much the patient's co-pay is supposed to be or should have been when we charge the patient. Now, I have a whole topic for those of you who upgrade and charge patients for better quality dentistry, I would encourage you to go listen to my episode with Ben Chuine, and it's how to charge for upgrades when you are a contracted provider. He is brilliant. He is definitely a dental disruptor, and he gives all of the lowdown on how to charge for upgrades, lab fees, things like that, even if you are a contracted provider. And it is all legal. So if you're interested in learning more about that, go listen to that episode. I promise you're going to feel like you went back to school because your mind is just going to be blown as mine was when I learned about all of the things that Ben talks about and teaches. Okay, so we now know how to break down the patient's responsibility. Here's where it gets a little sticky is understanding the remarks and the codes that these insurance companies are using to communicate with us when they are adjudicating or making a payment decision. There are things that insurance companies do and get away with because it's in the contracts. Insurance companies will do things like bundling, for example, a crown, and then bundling the buildup in the payment of the crown. That is one of the tactics that the insurance companies use. And if it's in the contract, then they are allowed to do so. There's also the LEAT clauses and LEAT stands for least expensive alternative treatment. This is downgrading. Essentially, if you do a, for example, a porcelain crown, 
The insurance company, if there's a leak clause inside of that plan or that contract, has the right to downgrade payment. So the frustration that I have is that we are required to code for what we do. Unfortunately, insurance companies are not held to the same standard, especially with this LEAT clause built into the plan. They get to pay for a cheaper service. So again, least expensive alternative treatment. You do an implant, they get to pay for a partial or a bridge or whatever they want because of this clause. They will downcode. We just talked about that. They'll downgrade and pay for something a lot cheaper than what we did. And this confuses the patient because they will receive the explanation of benefits. As I had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, they will receive a copy of the EOB as well. And this may cause confusion for them because they don't know how to read an explanation of benefits. All they know is they got an implant and the insurance company paid for a partial. So this could cause them to give us a call, especially if the patient has to pay more out of pocket because we were unable to anticipate that downgrade. So sometimes it can come as a surprise and other times it doesn't. So if you know how to ask the right questions when you're obtaining the breakdown of benefits, for example, if you do a ton of implants in your practice, one of the questions that I would ask for implants is, is there an alternative benefit for an implant with this plan? And does the plan use the alternative benefit to make payment or to pay for that procedure? Because I want to know in the event that this plan has a LEAT clause in it, I want to know, worst case scenario, what am I going to get paid for? And I might even calculate payment based on that alternative treatment because most likely if there's an alternative benefit, they're going to use that least expensive alternative treatment clause and pay for, say, the partial as opposed to paying for the implant. So just to be safe, I like to ask those questions and be prepared in the event the insurance company likes to play that game. And they do, friends, and they do. Okay, also with the remarks section, this is where you can make the determination as to whether or not you agree with a payment decision by the insurance company. And you can decide to start not necessarily the appeal process because you don't want to jump straight into an appeal. You first want to ask for reconsideration of the decision. And when you do so, and you're asking them to reconsider their decision, you want to include additional information that was not initially included with the original claim submission. And let's say that you did include everything. You included the x-ray, you had a strong narrative, you had intraoral photos, you had everything you could possibly send. Then what you do is you retell the story. You retell the story, you use the same attachments, but you're going to have to word it differently. And sometimes the reconsideration will work and you don't have to worry about going into the formal appeal process because that is a formal process. Okay, finally, before you post the payment, 
I know this sounds like a lot, friends, but it really does become very natural. The process doesn't take very long once you get the hang of it. But before you post that payment, check your math. Double check and make sure that we got paid accurately. Is there any money that was left on the table? Especially for those of you who are out of network with plans, it's really important that when we obtained the breakdown of benefits, we asked the insurance plan which fee schedule they are going to use to calculate payment. Because when you are out of network, sometimes the plan still limits you to the contracted or allowed amount. And what they will ask you to do is balance bill the patient. So this is where the patients get the notion that they must go to an in-network provider so that they can save money. That's true. They do get a discount. But then there's other times when you are out of network and the plan pays your full fee or your UCR fee. So it's really important, again, as we obtain our breakdown of benefits, super important that we ask which fee schedule is going to be used in order to calculate payment for this plan. One more side note for those of you that are out of network. I find a lot of out of network offices forget to ask if the plan that they are obtaining benefits for accepts assignment of benefits because a lot of out-of-network plans will send the check to the patient and this can come as a surprise and uh, we don't want to have to chase the patient down for the payment. One of the ways that we can avoid all of that is by asking that question. Does this plan accept assignment of benefits? If they do, you know that the check is coming to you. If they do not, now you can treatment plan or treatment coordinate with that patient. And the plan explaining to the patient that we're going to need them to pay up front and we'll have the check go to the patient because we already know that's going to happen. Okay, this is all a part of the revenue cycle, friends. I mean, this is essentially as we receive our explanation of benefits, we are at the end of the revenue cycle. Hopefully we got accurate payment and we posted accurately. We checked our math and we know that everything is good to go. If there's a balance owed to us, then we send the patient a statement. If everything looks good, then we go ahead and post that payment and move on to the next payment. So here's my final thought around posting payments and understanding your EOB. This is the final stage of the revenue cycle. And hopefully at the beginning of the revenue cycle, when we were obtaining benefits, we obtained code-specific information to help us post payments accurately. We asked questions like, does this plan have an alternative benefit for this procedure? We asked which fee schedule is going to be used to calculate payment. And friends, let me tell you, for those of you who are contracted with third-party administrators, this is where it becomes critical for you to ask which fee schedule is going to be used in order to calculate payment for this plan? Because sometimes you think you're going to use Cygnus fee schedule, but in reality, you're going to use Carrington's fee schedules. So you really want to know how that payment is going to be calculated. All right, understanding how to calculate your write-offs. 
And one more thing, one more thing and we are done. Know how to calculate write-offs and know when to post write-offs. If the patient has dual insurance, never, ever, ever post a write-off before you have received the payment from the secondary plan because you could unintentionally give the patient a, a credit that they shouldn't have. And we don't want to do that. So make sure that you are not posting any write-offs, adjustments, anything like that until we receive payment. All right, I can go on and on about that topic. Maybe we'll have another episode around write-offs. But for today, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned a little more about posting payments and understanding your EOBs, how they go hand in hand, and why you should not be posting payments unless you know how to calculate your treatment. Okay, friends, that's going to conclude this episode on how to read EOBs. And I hope I will see you in our group, Hidden Dental Profit. It's a private group on Facebook. I do enjoy interacting with everyone there. And until then, I will see you in the next episode. Okay, my friends, that's going to wrap up today's episode on the Dental Billing Podcast. I can't wait until the next episode, and I hope that you join me. Until then, take care.